Cookies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. She is the founder of the global award winning non profit Days for Girls. And of course, best selling author too, no other than Miss Celeste. Good to be with you, Daniel. Yes, welcome back, Mr. Les. And again, please introduce yourself. Sure. I am the founder of Days for Girls International and and I'm the mother of six and actually 12 because they're all married now. And I have the joy of being the author of The Power of Days. And it's my memoir. And I really loved our conversation last time about why writing matters and some things that helped me complete the book. Definitely. How does it feel that you are now categorized as a best-selling author? <laughs> It's funny because you think it will be this huge shift and it it feels a little bit the same as before in that I I have the same focus to help people and to make sure there's more menstrual equity in the planet and to help people shine in their best light and I'm just continuing that. However, it really is wonderful to to have it reaching people like I so hoped it would. And I have to tell you the 3 days before the book came out I suddenly felt like I was stepping out of a spaceship and I had a tiny little tether of oxygen to people <laughs> that know me, know me and love me and already love the book. And, and it became as if I were so vulnerable that all these people I did not meet were about to learn so much about me. I felt like, what have I done? What was I thinking? And uh, so in that way, it is so good that it didn't uh, flop, that people are emailing and texting from all over the world, that it's making a difference for them. Definitely. According to Amazon.com or in the U.S., you are number 95 in biographies and social activities, number 286 in sociological study of medicine, and 327 in a woman's studies. So, Miss Mergens, how to empower women in the world? I think that it is just a matter of recognizing all of us. I think that there's been stigma. I think that because women traditionally focus on family, which is important to me, clearly, what a habit of expecting women to be waiting in the wings, expecting women to, to choose one thing and only one thing and not recognize that there are seasons. And when we do this, when we leave people on the sidelines, we are not just hurting some of us, we are hurting all of us because every one of us, no matter where we're from, no matter who we are, have unique talents, understanding, empathy, and, and gifts that our whole world needs. So to me, women's equity is about global equity. When we equity for 
any girl or woman or individual in this world, we are limiting the potential to live a greater life on this earth. And this is why I really feel it's easy for us as individuals, if I may segue into something else, it's easy for us to feel like, oh, I'm not worthy or I don't matter. I'm just filling blank here. I'm just uh, limited or I'm I don't have the talent someone else has, or I don't have the experience or resources someone else has. And in truth, it is our responsibility to show up because we do matter. The very weaknesses we have are reasons for us to have empathy, reasons for us to see the need for new solutions, reasons for us to have humility enough to ask people what they need and to show up and be the difference. We all matter. And it truly isn't a matter of should we be rich, should we be powerful, but rather we can be responsible for a better world. Very well said, Ms. Eliza. Who are your literary influences? Oh, Lucille Clifton is a phenomenal poet. She, oh, her book, The Book of Light, was, it's breathtaking. What I love about it is her ability to write and and in small bits and just you can feel what's going on and she never gives a hint of feeling sorry for herself even if it's a hard thing instead she just shows you the scene and the other one is loose um is langston hughes from the harlem renaissance era he has a short story called home that is exquisite and it's taking on a sociological um, prejudice. And, and he does not give a tiny bit of feeling, again, feeling sorry for why we should feel bad about things, but rather gives every reason not to so that people can step in and feel the experience. They're both so good at helping you feel the experience. And with the power of days, that was important to me that it not be about uh, the about the sad things as much as showing how the shift can happen, showing uh, the struggle and the difficulty in a way that I really hope and hoped people would be able to feel and and experience and see the light for how to shift. Yes, indeed. So, how do you deal with the writer's block, Miss Alive? Well, for me, I created a list before I started and as I went along with a tool that's free called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. I made lists that included quotes that I loved that came up, that included scenes I wanted to include and included um, the beginning of, of these different stories I wanted to include. And then I would ask myself for at least 15 minutes a day to take on one of them. And what I would do is find the one that had fire for me that day. And by that, I mean, find the one that was most interesting, most exciting to work on that day and just work on it a little more and a little more. And of course, the first is just to spill out the story. No editing allowed, just free write the story. And then the second is to comb through it, I, I switch to another one so that you're not overthinking it. I can kind of let it sit still 
and stew for a bit because you see it in a new light if you leave it for a little bit and keep moving on. There's a difference between being a chapterist and an author, uh, a chapterist and a novelist, a chapterist and a memorist. <laughs> Is that word? <laughs> anyway, so you can't comb through the same thing, same thing, and really make progress, at least for anyone I know. So, so you jump to the next thing that holds a fire to you. And now when you come back, you can see it with new light. You can see it and, and go, oh, I see where I made that mistake. I see how I can do even better evoking, explaining this. And, and then the process was finding, I put the editorial um, image or phrase TK, capital T, capital K, which means to come in editing. And, and then I could go back to all the TKs and add in things like, how many was it? What year was it? What is the actual term for that or definition for that? So instead of stopping that first initial creative burst, I just type in TK where there's something I need to come back, research, or add in so I can just keep flowing. So the third step is to go back to all those TKs. What do I need? Then comes the fun part when the book is coming closer to being what you want it to be. That's when I start considering the hooks coming into chapters and the hooks going out of chapters. And when I consider that, my question is always, how do I help people um, see it, feel it? It has to be as sticky as possible. It has to be like a reason to drop into this new world that every chapter is. You as an author get to take responsibility for it being a whole world that says, welcome, come on in. And then says, so glad you came. You ready for the next one? That's our responsibility. Or why should the reader um, struggle through each page and struggle to get to the next page? We as the writers have the opportunity to be the host saying, please join me. And, and so for me, things like a chapter beginning about Chapati, the practice of um, girls and women being untouchable during their periods, and it's in Nepal. So I dropped in to one chapter with the woman that is uh, the leader of Days for Girls in Nepal, Maya, and, and it started with the elephants knew first. And it goes on to explain the earthquake and how Maya, while when the first big um, earthquake in 2015 happened, that her elephant shifted under her before the earthquake even happened. So I was explaining about Nepal. I was explaining how the issue of not having what you need during your period uh, came very front and center and in public after that earthquake when they realized we can't hide this practice. We need a real solution. And, and the World Aid Organization started asking, how do we get this? I started it not with the World Aid Organizations are asking, but with the evocation of the earthquake in a way we wouldn't think of. I remembered Maya explaining that the elephant shifted under her. And so the first line for that chapter is, the elephants knew first. Wow, interesting. Ms. Lasso, how do you feel your personal experiences have shaped your writing? Oh, for me, it's huge. Because when I'm 
writing my personal experiences, and, and I know not everyone is, but I think it affects all writers. It gives us a context for how to paint a scene with our words, how, how to sculpt a scene with our words, because it literally is art. When you experience something, there's a lot of ways to experience it, how you hear it, how you see it, how you feel it, what temperature is it, what colors are around you, what's the light like, what's the sound like. And so having experienced many things, I have more ways to paint. And it is in being aware of your everyday life. And honestly, can I just say gratitude? If you are a person who learns to be observant, to learns, who learns to walk around and go, oh man, feel that sun today. Whew, how does that feel? And feel that breeze, feel that. Then you write better because when you're trying to decide um, what to, how to explain something, you don't have just he said, she said. You now have the ability to paint in all the living colors. So when when I am writing a scene, it's really important to me that that, like I said, they can feel it. I want them, so being able to go back and and open the scene a little more as you remember, what else happened? Who else was there? What else could I explain this with? How else can I explain this? When I was writing the scene, trying to explain what it was like as a child to be the child of someone with a disassociative personality disorder, I was trying to explain how, how do you show this? How do you explain this? And all the cliche things like, you know, how you couldn't count on anything, how you didn't know what to expect went through my mind. But I, I actually allowed myself to go, how else can someone feel it? How else could someone see it? How else did it feel? How else can I describe this? And, and I allowed that, that questioning and flowing of creativity to keep coming. How do I show this? How do I show this? Until I came to she was a fragile fragile winged phoenix coming and going right before our very eyes ashes to ashes we all fall down tell us what's your daily writing routine like Ooh. okay first of all it is so important to do it daily to sit down and, and for me it's opening up my list and diving into a place that that is on fire for me and to set a timer for at least 15 minutes. You can write a whole book in a year, if it's of a certain length, in just 15 minutes a day. But it doesn't work if you sit down and do 12 hours one day. And that could make your subconscious feel like you're good for the next two months. And um, towards the end, I really did. Once the book had its own momentum, I did write sometimes 12 hours in a day. Um, but particularly at the beginning, just setting your timer for 15 minutes is a great way to start. And, and as you can hear, it's different for me at different stages in the book, how I approach um, my process. Definitely. But before we go on, Ms. Celeste, I want to shout out to the people listening in Portugal. Obrigada, obrigado, obrigado, Portugal, for listening to this podcast. 
podcast because in Lisbon I got 62% audience share, Porto at 15%, Faro at 12%, Aviero at 8%, and last but not the least, Braga at 4%. Thank you, Portugal, for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created in power writers all over the world like Miss Celeste Mergens. So, Miss Celeste, I want to know your piece about climate change. Oh. As, a, as a leader of a nonprofit organization. I think that climate change is incredibly important. It's easy for us to see and feel that we have no way to change it, that it is hopeless. But I just returned from TED Women and there was a film shown there that emphasized all the incredible progress we've made far faster than we thought we could. And I think it's an example of how we truly could focus on the change we can be in the world. We truly could decide to choose things that will make a little bit of a difference and to ask our leaders to make a big difference and together decide that we are going to live in a safer, calmer, more healthy world environmentally. We could choose that. And I think it's our fear that we cannot that keeps us from stepping up in this important place. We need to choose. We are choosing right now between door one, more fires, more environmental disasters, or door two, being able to have less of that because we made decisions that prioritized our future over convenience and plasticizing and, and acquiring more things, we could do that. And I, for one, believe we can and believe we should. Yes, people, we can do it. But Miss Celeste, do you think we are too late to combat climate change? No, we aren't. Now, I know there are a lot of things that we are at a decision pivotal point, um, but we have solutions. There is... There are incredible solar solutions that are getting better all the time. There are things like where we live, where I live, there is laundry detergent that comes in a little um, shiny pod and, and you can just throw it in the washer instead of putting a cup and pouring it. Did you know that laundry pod is covered by plastic? I always thought it was gel, but it's a plastic for the convenience of being able to throw instead of spill. I, I, for one, will not choose that anymore. We can think about the choices and we can ask of ourselves, how many cars do I need? How else can I, how else can I get places? What kind of decisions we can make? And pay attention to the solutions. Um, like I said, Ted has a beautiful documentary about climate change, the solutions that are there and why we can choose for a better right now. We're not, we are losing the window of the opportunity to reverse things and we're losing it really fast. Yes, people, let's unite and combat climate change. Not to war, people, climate change. <laughs> let's yeah. focus to the climate change because it will affect our generations to generations to come. Let's have peace and uh, let's think solution 
not a problem. <laughs> Just like what happening war. So after a climate change, Miss Celeste, I want to talk to you about what is your piece about artificial intelligence? About, tell me one more time, sorry. Artificial intelligence, AI. Oh, oh yes. Well, you know what? It is actually pretty remarkable. I use it to make captions and to do help initial research because it saves me a lot of time to, and I know it's easy to be afraid of that as well. And in reality, it's, it's another tool and things are changing fast. We're going to have self-driving cars. We're going to have self-driving trucks. These things will change the way jobs are, how jobs are allocated. And so I would say that our job right now is to be aware of how to use these tools in ways that allow us to focus on things like climate change, things like um, finding new ways to come to agreements. And, and if we focus on the fear, we get more to fear. If we focus on the solutions, like you so well said just a few minutes ago, then we create more solutions. People support what they create. So it's really important that as AI is happening, we can actually be part of creating how it's used and not allow a few elite to choose for us how it's going to be used. So paying attention and and engaging in it in ways that work for us is, is really valuable. And I would say understanding how to make it work for you makes you more employable in the future because you can work faster and you can, um, you can create great outcomes even faster because the tool you use, just like if you chose to use a, a power hammer instead of a, a stick in a rock, right? <laughs> 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 Definitely. <laughs> so, Celeste, do you think that AI is a good invention for humanity? I think it can be. I think it's been around a long time, longer than we've been talking about it. We've been using AI. Some of the games people play on their apps are driven by AI. Um, Google, all of our Googling we've been doing is driven by AI. We're just talking in, about it in a new way. I can tell you that just me personally, I recently saw that um, they have a video feature where you can play yourself talking to the to a video for just a few minutes being um, filmed and then upload it onto a program. And that program can show you talking, like do an AI perfect video of you, only you're not saying those things. That is a thing right here, right now, that is a tool that is available. Now for me, that one could make it hard to know what people did and didn't say. And for me, even more dangerous, someone could say they didn't say something they said um, and, and they did. So this, this is a piece that I find really interesting and and I don't know how we will navigate that. I mean, Daniel, it looks like you and it could be translated to different languages. So it looks like you're speaking Japanese and Portuguese <laughs> and Spanish. And, and the other piece that I feel like is demanding of us to be better leaders is that as we shift to a new kind of economy with way different kinds of jobs, 
that we need people that are considering how we train for that, how we give equal access to that, how we make sure that people have the resources so that as we started this program with everyone has access to being part of the change going into the future. If you do not do that, you create more war because you have people feeling um, left back or like they have to fight for their place in the world. So having leaders and having all of us aware that the future is not going to be the same as the past, that, that just as when we went from you know, horses and buggies to cars, that, that was a moment that was gonna change something. We are in a pivot, AI is a pivot point like that, the increase in AI and what it can do. And we need to be aware of how we ensure that everyone is part of that future and as much equal access as possible. Or we are not just creating elite um, opportunity. We are also limiting the future of wellness and prosperity and, and peace that could be possible. It's really important that we consider everyone in regards to AI. Very well said, Miss Les. Yes, people, let's unite to make this uh, world a better place to live. Mm -hmm. So, Miss Les, the power of the story of resilience, dignity, and the fight for women's equity. Let's talk about the reviews. Oh, I love reading reviews. <laughs> and according to Miss Dab H, Miss Dab H, outstanding catalyst for hope. What are the elements of the book that you put into it that make this book a book of hope? Well, it takes on some really hard questions. You know, there are some scenes in it that are hard to read. They were even hard for me to write. And, and when I did the audio recording, it was, you know, I had to take a breath and take a second before I could keep going right there. There are that those kinds of scenes and they're they always in in incredible results in an incredible um advancements just like these hearts conversations we're talking about with you know the environment and climate um these are hard conversations that end up with phenomenal results because people believe they could be the change and i actually think this book is proof that things like climate change could happen when we come together, if we come together hoping and building what we would love to see more of in the world, instead of focused on what we hate and what divides us, we can create phenomenal results. Indeed, and according to Ms. L. Jodelay, powerful story of courage and resilience, women's health champion. <laughs> wow. Really, the book itself is to empower women itself, right, Miss Salas? Yes, and communities. It's women are powerful. People are powerful. And men are part of the Days for Girls movement and in the book as well. I think that it's about recognizing that we all matter, that our circumstances do not define us, and that there is great hope when we come together. Yes, Ms. Celeste, I read this book uh, by Kara Cooney, Six Queens of Egypt. Uh, and mm -hmm. in 
the Egyptian era, women rules reign. So in the 21st century, how would women reign? I think, I hope that we choose to do it with um, equity for all. We don't want to make it about just women or just men. I, I think the best leaders consider everyone, whether it's in direct support of their own um, wellness or not, but more for the collective of the whole. That's what a leader is asked to do, to consider the collective of the whole and, and what will help the most. So for me, women leaders, I'm in my experience, not all, but most, are more likely to consider the whole. More likely, there was a study um, that Catherine Bertini did um, in Afghanistan in emergency response. She was with the World Food Program. And they asked women and men, what would you do if you had more financial resources? Name 10 things. And the men would name one or none for anyone except for what their own personal objectives were. And in this study, the women chose all things for their family and community, and in some cases, maybe one for themselves. Uh, and, and the truth is, this is why it's so important that we all come to the table. We lead in different ways as individuals, and women are very likely to consider the whole. And that brings everybody to engaging. And as I said, that's so important. We all truly do matter. And so that would be more prevalent and we need that desperately right now. Having said that, I happen to think that I adore men and I think we all belong at the table. The problem is that we have isolated and limited women's engagement for so long. It's time to reverse that and make sure everybody is equally present. Yes, people, because God created us as equal mm -hmm. <laughs> in everything, people. But just think that they are superior is something not acceptable. We need to be equal in everything in terms of rights, in terms of power in the society. Let's unite and make women part of it. Yeah, so, Miss Celeste, before we go on, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chef in one of the best five-star restaurant in downtown Toronto. Please do listen, Food 101 Plus. Our books are out, not only one, but 11 volumes, people. Food 101, Volume 1 Basics, until till 11 is all you need how to create a delicious food. Available on Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. So, Ms. Celeste, what is the most rewarding aspect of being an author? Oh, well... You get free hugs when you're lining up and people are you're signing books for people. That's been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so how do you feel about the current state of the publishing industry nowadays? Oh, oh my goodness. We, um, we have a lot of work to do. And um, I love conversations like this that invite us to consider new possibilities and 
and ask the questions what we can do. So, so I think that that's uh, the opportunity here. Definitely. So if you go back and give advice to yourself, when you were first starting out as a writer, what would it be? Oh, keep going. Don't give up. There were times when I felt like uh, it was too late. I wasn't uh, getting it done fast enough. I was serving as a global CEO while I was trying to write it in on planes and hotel rooms and even tra a train and, and just doing my best to fit it in here and there. And there were times that I thought, ah, oh. and there were also times I didn't want to include myself. And um, I didn't want, I just wanted it to be about the girls and about the movement. And, and it became clear that it was important to do both. And, and so I would say, be brave, it, it's gonna work out. Definitely. So Miss Celeste, where can our listeners find more about you and your work. You can find me on the website, celestemergens.com. It has the link to the book, The Power of Days, has the link to Days for Girls organization. Really incredible work being done with that. And, um, and you can find the audio the, and the actual book and electronic versions anywhere you buy books. Again, congratulations, Miss Celeste. Is there a follow-up to this book? My goodness. You know, I've had many people say that, and I'm like, oh, I'm still promoting this one. I'm still on the book tour. Um, <laughs> I, I probably should be, but, but I feel like I'm still out in space and hoping to land at home before I start. <laughs> Looking forward for your next book, Miss Celeste, and you are most welcome to come back anytime, any day. I'm going to squeeze you in, even I'm too fully booked. I squeeze you in for, for this episode because <laughs> I like you beyond my guest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure. Yes, and again, Miss Celeste, thank you for your time. Always love being with you. Morigan, people. See you soon. <laughs>